When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me as always is co-host Kevin Miller. Hey, John. How you doing? Good, good. Man, I'm excited about our guest today. We've got uh, Tyler Calloway from FCS, and Tyler spent, uh, oh gosh, 20, better than 20 years of his life um, helping to develop, market, and sell the FCS product. And uh, really kind of the first, like, adventure travel company in surfing. Um, their, their focus was on removable fins. They then got into board bags, leashes, uh, all the accessories and hard goods that you need to travel. And who doesn't want to do that? Um, I can remember, you know, the first 20 or so surfboards I had with glass on fins and what a pain that was. And then I remember when FCS came out and it just revolutionized surfing, both from a travel standpoint but also from an experimentation standpoint where you could try all these different fins and it was just really great. So we're excited to hear the story that Tyler has to tell today and uh, we'll get right into it. Well, I grew up in New York. I I uh, lived in the city as a little kid, and then luckily for me, my dad retired kind of early and um, moved out to Long Island. And so I grew up in a little town called Quag, um, which was beautiful, cold in the winter. Um, but it happened to have some good surf all around it. West Hampton was a town next door, and they put in a bunch of jetties in the 60s. So when I was surfing in the early 70s, those were amazing. Now they're all filled in. They don't break like they used to. But mm. um, back then, they were basically little Kira-like sand points. And uh, so that was, a, that was a great early start. Um, Ricky Rasmussen grew up in West Hampton and oh, was wow. a major influence on, on me and my friends and, and a real positive influence. You know, he died a tragic death, but yeah. he, uh, he was way ahead of his time, both in surfing and and uh, surfboard building and shaping. Um, and he passed a lot of that on to us, a lot of that knowledge. And my best friend, Michael Schurmeyer, was a, one of the best surfers and shapers on the East Coast for years after that. And, you know, now runs a um, contracting business out there, but, uh, you know, has moved on from surfboards to much more profitable things, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So that's a good start. You got, uh, well, how old were you when you first? I started at 11, 1969. So I'm old, you know, <laughs> but I don't feel old except yeah. for the couple you injuries that I have. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You so don't look old either. Thing. Surfing universally keeps you young. I've, it does. Even if you look a little bit old, you're young at heart, right? Yeah. I think the cold water helps. I mean, not that it gets that cold here in San Diego, but, uh, I just always feel younger after surfing in like 58 degree water. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it does what, get cold when, in San Diego, when, by the way. <laughs> Ice when did, you, when did you make that transition from New York out to the West Coast? Well, I, I always wanted, you know, thought I wanted to be a pro surfer. So I went to Hawaii in 76 for the U.S. championships. That was at uh, Ala Moana. And um, I had just finished high school and I got there and um, I got a job, you know, like cleaning up and then hot coding in a, in a surfboard factory on the North shore and um, called my parents and told them I wasn't coming home hmm. that I had, a, you know, that I was staying. And um, luckily for me, they, they leveraged me as hard as they could to go to college and uh, I'm really glad they did. Um, so I, I kind of uh, 
mixed um, my college education with majoring in Rocky Point and Pipeline and <laughs> Jockos and every other good left barrel I could find. <laughs> did you actually compete in the championship? I did. I think I got eighth in that one. I got third the year before in Texas and second in the East Coast Championships, I think the year before that in Hatteras, that year that was really phenomenal. Um, yeah. I always loved going to Hatteras, and I always felt like the ESA really helped me figure out who I was and how to how to kind of get along in life, you know? Like it was, mm-hmm. uh, it, it made a lot of friends and, you know, it was my introduction to being part of the tribe of surfers, you know? And I mean, gosh, you know, at that time, California surfing was kind of stagnant. You know, the East Coast was was all about, you know, little boards, fishes, and and little hot dog boards. And, you know, we were just carving. And a lot of California surfing at that time, with the exception of guys like Mike Purpose and Dan Flecky and, you know, there, there were some others, Alan Sarlo and Nathan Pratt. I don't know. There, there was, there was some competitive and some progressive guys in California, but by and large, California was about sort of posing on a seven, two and pretending you were Jerry without the barrel. You know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it obviously, came out of that pretty quickly, you know, Joey Baran's era and the yeah. kind of guys like that led the charge. But um, coming from the East coast, it was, it just, Hawaii really drew me because that was the epicenter, you know, that was kind of just when Bali had sort of broken in the magazines and, you know, that was sort of the new frontier, but Hawaii was the proving grounds, you know, to a certain extent, it still is. Sure. Um, so it felt important to be there and it felt like I was in the center of the surfing world, which was right where I wanted to be. And, you know, I was lucky enough to make friends from all over the world by being, you know, one of the guys that was surfing regularly at all those North shore spots, you know? Yeah. And so how old were you? I got there when I just turned 18 and uh, spent about five and a half years. So finished college and, and then went straight back to New York in February, <laughs> which was a shock. <laughs> what a shock, but, yeah. But, um, and I think that was, O'Neill had just made the first wetsuit with a string around the hood, so you could seal the hood, and you could actually duck dive a set without getting an ice cream headache and having to turn around and, like, prone back to the beach. So, <laughs> that, that really opened up cold water surfing. I remember... Um, I think that was a lot. No, maybe that was El Nino that that year. But it was a, the best February I'd ever seen in New York. It was like nonstop. And so, you know, after about a week of kind of getting used to a five mil wetsuit in the cold, it, it just felt like okay, the waves are good every day. I'm loving this. So. Nice. Spent was a couple it? of years there, and um, I got a job repping local motion clothing and nectar surfboards and Astro deck and uh, <laughs> surf more leashes and, you know, some companies that are still around today yeah. and some that aren't. Um, and I, I've been doing that for about nine months. I opened up Virginia beach North through Maine and uh, I didn't know anything, man. I, I like, I had a piece of wood for a clothing rack, but I knew most of the surf shop owners, like people like Tony G and Bill Lammers and, you know, just a host of others, Grog, they were all so good to me, you know, and everybody, because they knew me from, you know, I'd surfed in Grog's pro contest and I think I won the juniors one year in that. And so, you know, I had friends and that was like part of the tribe, right? So you know, of course, everybody was going to buy stuff from me. And they gave me, you know, they wanted to see a a young kid who wanted to be a rep. You know, it didn't really matter that you didn't really know what you were doing yet. You know, that was so early in the surf industry that kind of no one did. Yeah. So I got 
I got into all these accounts and we started doing business. And then uh, I had um, a meeting with a guy named Paul Gulane that started a company called Beachtown that was a women's line and he wanted to do a men's line. He was based out here in California. And I remember we were at the Atlantic City trade show and he said, you know, hey, I want to talk to you. So we went and had lunch and he offered me a job doing the whole state of California out here in, in, uh, in California. And, uh, you know, I told him, ah, oh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to get a showroom in, in Manhattan and I'm going to take, you know, take the clothing business really big. And I had big, big plans. And um, I walked out of the meeting and it was like late October. I started walking down the street and the temperature had dropped like from, you know, 60 degrees in the afternoon to like low forties. <laughs> and I made it about half a block, like walking into the wind. I was going, what the hell am I thinking? I am out of here. I don't want to do this for another winter. You know, yeah. I turned around, he was, went back in the restaurant, he was still paying the bill and I slid back <laughs> into the booth and I was like, you know, Hey, maybe we should talk a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. About a month later, I packed up my car and my girlfriend at the time and all our stuff and rolled into Newport beach. Nice. Moving <laughs> and, California, uh, yeah. So that was, that was how I got here. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You got uh, your feet wet in the sales market too, which I guess long-term is kind of what you've always done, but I got it here. I mean, the, every surfboard made between, I don't know, say 81 and 87 had glassed in fins in it. It seemed like, I don't know, when did, tell me about that progression and how you guys went back to boxing and all that. Well, the, I was working at reef. I was, I, I did a stint at rusty as the marketing director and kind of built that team and that marketing, you know, vibe and then i i went to reef um as the marketing director and the uh, gary brothers had had founded it they were argentine and they had a fernando had a great penchant for international business and and had a global vision for that brand and so i, I was part of that i was actually the guy that that sort of invented the reef girl um so you're it, the one to thank Thank you. <laughs> yeah, send the checks to, uh, <laughs> no, it was, I mean, I totally, it was a happy accident. You know, we had, uh, they had, when I first joined, they had an older surf team, Derek Ho, Richard Schmidt, I think Sonny had left, um, and he was the youngest guy. And I just, you know, that was the start of the momentum generation, even before that was really a thing, you know, it was just those guys. Right. Yeah. And Kelly had some, uh, I think he had an arrangement with airwalk shoes or something. So I knew that, well, you know, he was happy with that. So I kind of proceeded to try to get the guys that I thought were going to be the most influential. And that was like the Malloy brothers and Timmy Kern and Rob Machado and Ross Williams and just Conan Hayes. A lot of the, the real, kind of heavy hitters, Donovan yep. at the time. Um, and when I started it, when I, to introduce all those young guys, I did a poster and, you know, we're just going to put that in all the surf shops. And I did it like a kid would do it in his room. I did a, a border of duct tape and I wrote funny little captions on the photo <laughs> all in handwriting, like hand drew the logo. I wanted to make it look like a kid had made it in his room. And um, the the brothers had some photographs of uh, girls in in thongs from the back, kind of. Yeah, I think they'd put one like postage stamp size in a in an ad. And I said, "Hey, do you have any of these laying around?" And they said, "Yeah." So they gave me the the file, and I picked like the four best ones and put them on the poster, figuring what kid doesn't you know that's gonna give it extra life in the kid's room, right? Like that's, yeah. Cool. So that poster came out and that same year was the very first U S open. And, uh, they gave us a pretty short runway when they, they, you know, was like, Hey guys in, you know, five weeks, we want you to, you know, bring your tent, your team, they sign autographs on the infield. 
And I'm thinking, oh man, like we have all these guys and we didn't pay them very much. We weren't, we were a little sandal company that was about to do shoes. And that was always the plan, but it was like, kind of like pulling teeth to get pro surfers to show up for a, for a promo and sign autographs in Huntington beach. Like they, they really didn't want to do it and they already had to do it for quick or billabong or whoever their main sponsor was, you know, gotcha even at the time. And, um, so it was like, it was like pulling teeth. And, and so I was kind of stressing over it. I already had this bus tour with Donovan planned for the whole East coast in conjunction with surf rider and Donovan's band before Donovan was a, was a superstar. He was, he played bass in it and his band was called Sunchild. So I had that whole thing. And I was like juggling. I was going like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to get these guys? And I looked at the poster and I went, Holy crap nobody can tell who these girls are. Like, I just got to find one that looks like this girl and put a Miss Reef sash on her and have her <laughs> sign autographs. And the line was around the block. I bet. And the funniest thing was that all the pro surfers that you, you had a hard time getting to show up, you basically couldn't get rid of them. <laughs> they were all there. Like, oh, yeah, some more posters. Yeah, let's, you know. So... <laughs> it was really just a happy accident. And, you know, from there, you know, it was like, okay, you know, let's double down on doing the ads. Let's build this into an ad campaign and, and um, really bring some personality. And a couple years in, I was like, Hey, you know, guys, we need to have a, we, we need to have a contest and actually have a Miss Reef. And so we did that first in Florida, at one of the trade shows. And then out here, both, were you know descended into near mayhem but not quite <laughs> no one got hurt yeah. um, but they were legendary parties at the time and you know sure. that was always the kind of the goal of a, any trade show was you know to make noise for your brand right so yeah we yeah. did that there you go all right yeah so I, so I, I was doing that and the the halcyon moment for me was that you know, okay, it's pretty cushy gig, I guess. But the footwear industry, I, I, you know, m my life's always been about surfing and performance surfing and, you know, something that you could feel under your feet on a board, not necessarily a, a piece of footwear. But I can't remember who it was or exactly where it was. But I, they, somebody busted me, like, checking out their shoes, like, to see what they were wearing. And they said, <laughs> you just checked out my shoes, didn't you? And I was just like, oh, no. you know, this, this is not who I am. This is not <laughs> what I want to do, right? And so a friend of mine in Florida had seen one of the first FCS prototypes. And, and at FCS, when they launched it over here, they did it with a distributor, a guy named Larry Block. And they really didn't get much traction. I think Al Merrick was the only one to use it. And I think he used two little plugs on the back of his twin finner when he first made the twin finner, which is, mm. you know, that's been now recycled and reimagined and redone by his son, Britt. And, and uh, but that was the only commercial application of FCS after like three years of doing it. And you could order, some people would let you order it custom. Wow. And so I kind of went to a trade show and I decided to kind of ask some questions and see if, we could, you know, if I could compete, me and my friend, he, uh, he said, Hey, I can mold these things. I could, I got a mold making background. You can market it. We can compete with these guys. And after uh, getting to know the guys and asking a bunch of questions, I kind of calculated that, you know what, they've got money, they've got experience. It was, it was three Australian guys and they had done gorilla grip. So they were kind of the second grip or third grip they competed with Herbie at Astro Deck and Jeff Kelly at Track Top. And they were the Aussie version of, of grip. And they were like the most popular. So they had some some experience and some money behind them and, and some connections and they had patents and they had infrastructure. And my conclusion was, hey, I'm not, you know, I don't have enough money or enough time or enough experience to to compete with these guys. Like I don't I don't want to do it. I told my friend, I'm out. I'm I'm going to, you know, stay in a reef. And um, <clears throat> about six months later, they started 
knocking on my door and they, <clears throat> they said, Hey, you know, we really liked all the questions you had. You had some great questions. And, uh, you know, I said, Oh yeah, I was thinking about competing with you guys. <laughs> and said, well, we want you to work for us. So, um, so, you know, I kept saying no <laughs> until I couldn't anymore. And, and that worked out pretty good, but I still took a pay cut and I, um, took a risk, but I, I believed, and, and the reason I believed, I guess I should say, was they had, you know, I was anxious to try it, right? So they'd given me a system. I put it in a board. I think Rusty made the, the board for me and, and uh, put it in a board. And, you know, back then everybody had glassed on fins, right? And you didn't right. really even think about that your fins could make a difference. I knew, you know, a little bit from working with Rusty where I had – you know, actually grinded down <clears throat> my fins with a grinder and, and by hand and changed the template and changed the size of them to try to tune in the board. And it had worked, but <clears throat> that was a heck of a lot of work and nobody really wanted to do that. Right. Yeah. So, um, when I got the board, they gave me like four different sets of fins. And of course I just put the one in that looked, the best to me and rode that and I rode that board for you know a couple months probably with the same set of fins never changed <laughs> and one day you know I was like hey I should probably just see what these other fins go like or another one and so I changed them and went out and the board felt like a different board and the light bulb went on I was like holy crap hmm. how many boards have I had that were I thought were a dog and it was just the fins you know yeah. And I went back to my house. I remember I got the other two sets. And I spent like that whole afternoon, like trying all four, you know, and, and going, wow. Okay. What a difference. It feels like a different board, every set of fins. And so that, that convinced me that there was a, a real need for those, you know, that product. Had you already and taken the job so, at that point? Yeah, I took the job at that point. At, right at that point. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, I just went, yeah, I can sell this. And this is, you know, for me, it was, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I can talk about is, you know, hey, you want your board to be looser off the top, put in a smaller back fin, put in a slightly bigger front fin, you know, th th those kind of things. And um, so it went really quick. You know, we, um, we, um, did you, did you get equity when they, when you joined, I take it, you got I, like, yeah, I did. Okay. I did. I, I, um, I negotiated it when I joined, I didn't get it. I think I had to earn, earn it for the first year mm. and it went so fast. Like we, I would walk before I even had a chance to hire reps, you know, I would walk into a surf shop and the conversation was so simple. It was like, Hey, um, <laughs> you got about a hundred boards in that rack. How do you like to put 200 in that same rack without changing anything, you know? And then how'd you like to make almost as much money as you're making on the board by selling two and a half, three sets of fins yeah. you know? and retailers were like, yeah, okay. And then, you know, save on shipping, save on damage. All of that stuff was a, was a big deal because at first, like, board builders were reticent to do it, right? Like they're just, I don't know, man, you know, they, they have all, you know, I always say there's a reason those guys don't have regular jobs. You know, they're, they're mavericks, right? Like they're, yeah. they're, and some of them have other issues, but you know, they're, they're mavericks as a, um, as a group, right? It, and um, so they don't just adopt anything easily, you know? And I remember going to like factories and, you know, there'd be a guy glassing on fins with a squeegee in one hand, a cigarette in the other, you know, whatever. <laughs> and just going, ah, that system, that's not going to work. You know, you can't do that. You know, a lot of times it ended up being the, like the shop kid, you know, was like, Hey man, I can put that in, you know? And so I'd train him and, and, uh, or one of my crew would train him and, you know, five months later, the guy with the, the cigarette was like, Hey, could you get out of the way? I could push the, you know, put those in. Like I, I could do way better than, you, you know, that, that <laughs> kind of thing. And, and, and then, 
you know, on the backside of it, if you go to get glass arms now, they want to charge you extra for that, yeah, you know, right. because yep. it is that much more work. But, you know, the whole thing with getting it started, it went so fast because the retailers realized right away that, hey, this is a good thing for us. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, one of the first things we did was do a board bag that was made for boards without fins in them. You know, at that point, like a ProLite had a lock on board bag distribution. This is surf industry kind of lore at this point, but they had done a deal with just about every major surf shop in America. Like, hey, if you carry only our coffin bags, we'll give you our day bags at a super bro price. And, but you can't carry anyone else's. And so we did this board bag and I'd walk into the thing and it, it looked like a surfboard, right? And it looked like maybe one board was in it. And I actually had three and I unzip the thing and pull out three boards without fins in them and then start whapping fins in boards and retailers jaws are just, huh? Yeah. Head explosion. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that caught on pretty quickly. And, and so did the board bags because you know, as soon as the spin systems caught on, everybody wanted that. And, you know, I had to tell the, the surf shop owners, Hey, you know what? Your deal's really not valid with them because you're still only buying their, like theirs is a, a whole different product. It's giant. It's, you know, it's made for boards with fins. You don't have anything that your customers want. And so that cracked open the board bag market too. And we followed with leashes and, you know, a ton of other accessories. So, yeah. Now I'm, I'm curious, this is something I've always wondered about um, because there is a benefit with FCS to, there's a benefit for travel. Obviously you can pull the fins out, you can put yep. more boards in a bag. The bag can be slimmer and way easier to handle. Um, but then there's also the benefit of you can try, like you said, you can try different templates of fins on the same board. Yeah. Was that message like, from the beginning, was that message delivered as like a two prong marketing thing or was it, was, was yeah, that was the consumer the message? Other? You know, what I came up with at the time was change your fins, change your surfing, you know? Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about doing the, doing the deal, I had been talking to, to Kelly's manager, you know, about him coming on board. And I think, you know, um, one of the, partners had spent a lot of time with Kelly making him fins this guy Bill McCausland and uh, had really you know probably chased poor Kelly all over Sydney Australia like (laughs) making but you know made him fins and and got him you know to to really see the benefits of it and so Kelly was a huge part like Sonny was kind of the original um, and he was a huge part of the legitimacy of the thing because it's like at that time, if those two guys could ride it, everybody could ride it. And then Aki came on, and I remember the first, like, second month, third month I was there, there was a contest in Japan, and Aki and Kelly were in the finals. And at the trophy presentation, both of their boards happened to be on the stage, bottoms facing out so you could see the fins. And flame ran a little photo in the magazine of that and you know that pretty much said it all there's number one and two in the world you know um and they're yeah. both on fcs and so that it you know your timeline me real quick what year was that for uh, 97 everybody? so 97 slater came on board yep that's when the, the fire i do kind of remember that being a I think yeah. that was like, I never, I always took whatever the shaper gave me or whatever the shop gave me with the rubber band around the three G fives and went and went surfing. But, and then obviously at some point I was like, Oh, Slater has a set of fins in here that might actually make my surfing better. Of course it didn't, but mm-hmm. you know, I went ahead and bought them and uh, everybody's better off for it for sure. Yeah. Well, Kelly, you know, has always been focused on his equipment, like a laser beam. Like when he, when he, when he's thinking about something, he's, he's intense, right? Like, and, um, and he he gets excited. He's passionate about it, which is, you know, that's part of what 
drives him and it's it you know that drive was part of the success of fcs because it it came through to the rest of the world that he he really did believe and was really excited he wasn't just doing it for a paycheck and yeah neither was i and neither was any of the you know that that was the nice thing about this is it was you know if you give somebody like people will come up to me all the time and say you know hey man i looked at that fin chart just just tell me what to ride you know right and um i can't figure it out and that that was hard to try to explain all these fins because they're not that different but you know when you think about a surfboard and the back third of the bottom of the board and rails being in the water when you're doing a turn and then you think about the area of three or four fins sticking off the bottom of that at a right angle it's no wonder that about half of what you're feeling in that turn (laughs) is probably coming from the fins you know yeah so when you think about that you go okay yeah a little change I'm going to, I'm going to feel it. And so we were able to kind of isolate template and flex pattern and the foil of the fin and, you know, all of the the major components of what you were feeling as you push through a turn, you know, and, you know, Kelly was really smart about that. Like when he developed his fins, he drew them, he figured out, you know, what, what he wanted based on a combination of stuff that he liked and kind of made a hybrid. And then he figured out, you know, that was kind of before quads. He figured out that having the same back fin all the time kept that release point of the tail Mm. the same, you know, so that always felt the same, but by changing (laughs) the front fins, because you might remember we did the K2.1 and then the K3, K2.1 was pretty upright. It was a lot similar to kind of Tom Carroll did something similar after that, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or we did it with Tom, but wide base kind of upright, narrow tip, little pivoty. Right. Yeah. And then Kelly came up with a, a design for the K3 that was more raked back. And so he'd use the, the K3 at, like waves where you're drawing out the turns, the more rake there is in a fin, the more it draws out the turn. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, he'd use those at waves like, you know, bells and trestles and J Bay where you're really got some wall ahead of you and you're, you're able to, you're trying to hold your line through a, through a high speed, big old long carve. And, you know, for waves like, the you know beach breaks or you know snappy stuff or even a wave like pipe or chopu where you you do you got to do it like if you're going up you got to do a quick snap and get back down or you're going over right so the pivoty fin you know worked really well in places like that and he he would wear that uh, use that but always had that same template size back fin in there you mm. know because that was the the release point. And so, you know, I think there were a lot of things that, you know, we all kind of figured out by, you know, we, we had hydrodynamicists and naval architects um, consulting with us and we learned, you know, a lot of science from them. But for me, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure for Kelly too, like, okay, I want to understand the science, but I want to understand it in the context of what I'm feeling through my feet. You know, Mm. Tom Carroll was big into that. Dave Kalama was, was, you know, big into that kind of stuff. There was, you know, a lot of really neat collaborations and cross pollinizations, I guess you'd say in, Mm -hmm. in, in that era, as we were figuring out what you could do with fins to improve the performance of right. a board on a wave, you know, do you ever get on any uh, field trips to, uh, Oh yeah. Overseas? I mean, more, <laughs> more so business trips, you know, I mean, that, yeah. that's the good thing about being in the surf industry. You never end up in a, in a place like Cleveland or Kansas city, you're all, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're in Sydney or Hasegor or Torquay or, you know, Chiba or, you know, um, 
Hawaii, you, you know, Costa Rica, I don't know, you name it, Tahiti. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when you're kind of running the business, you don't get to go on as many as the fun field trips as, as you'd yeah. like to, you, but you do get to do some. So Very good. Yeah. I was, I was thinking you'd been on a, a boat trip or two where you got to watch these team riders just fine tune and geek out over every little, you know, nuanced corner. You know, of I thing. wish we did a little bit or I got to do a little bit of it. Um, I wish I'd done more when I had the opportunities, you know, but yeah. you know, when you're building a young company and, in you know, in a competitive industry, um, man, it was a, it was a grind. It was a lot of work and it's like, it always felt like you had to run, you know, like okay. in, in business, you're always just, okay, next thing, next thing, next thing, because, you know, my strategy was to lock as many of the doors behind me as I could yeah. for competitors. Because I mean, you guys have seen the surf industry for years, right? Like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, sandals, <laughs> sunglasses, somebody comes up with something that is hot, 10 people are coming behind them, right? They want to mm-hmm. jump in, you know, and that's, you know, we were lucky enough to weather most of those storms, you know, future did a really good job of becoming the, you know, other fin system. Right. And you know, there's always going to be Coke and Pepsi, right? Like it was only a matter of time. So, right. Um, when did you yeah, take, one, go ahead, one John. Of the things I think that's so cool too is, um, and it's from a marketing standpoint, it's gotta be a, a marketing dream, but you had all these, once you guys, uh, once Kelly came on board and then, you know, Sonny and then all these other guys and Tom Carroll and all of their, when they started designing their own fins and you guys started coming out with like kind of the pro series models from these surfers, it just made it so cool because you could look at a surfer and say, that's the kind of surfing I want to do, or that's the guy I identify with the most in my own surfing. And you could get those fins and you could feel that in the fin. And so it's like, it just, yeah, it it increases your range, you know, to all these different pro surfers and their styles and whether they're, you know, kind of light on their feet, skatey or guys like Aki and Carol that are, you know, more rail surfers. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I always thought was so neat about the the whole program. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I think that was, that was why I stayed in it so long was, you know, if you could recommend a set of fins to somebody and it would help them do what they wanted to do and kind of make it feel like you said it was going to feel like they were so stoked. People come up and hug me and like, Oh my God, it's amazing. It's like a whole, you know, you you have really made a a positive impact on their life because they're just having that much more fun. And then when you give them, kind of the building blocks of knowledge of this is what you're feeling, you know, think about it. Um, You know, it's that old, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, (laughs) teach him how to fish, feed him for a lifetime, right? Like giving them that information so then they can figure it out themselves and go further. It's, it's very empowering. It it was, and it, it felt good. It just like you get such good energy back from people when you help them like that. So it was cool. Uh, it yeah. must have been great to see that come around full circle and uh, go away from reef, which would have been a life of sin for the next 10 years of, I don't know when you got married, but you probably uh, took a more, not altruistic, but like a goal driven, personal, personally aligned trip down the FCS road. And uh, when did you stop? When did you uh, I stopped, let go? Uh, about four years ago, almost four years ago. So, okay. Like coming up on the, the third or fourth anniversary. I don't know. It all blends together after a while. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it sold for a third time and, and, uh, you know, it was just time. It was time to go. So yeah, um, no regrets. 20 years is a long time to do anything, you know? Oh yeah. That's a great run. Absolutely. Now I take it with Jamie. When did you and Jamie meet? Jamie's the co-founder for everybody who's listening of, uh, so probably the founder of Solite, uh, which is a new boot, uh, booty. Are, are you part, are you a founder too? I am 
known as the co-founder. Co-founder, okay. That's the true. reason that is, is because Jamie sent me a glove. He was working on gloves. Okay. And, you know, he, he thought, hey, this technology could be, and Jamie's background was snowboarding as well as surfing. He worked at Burton for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of the technology came out of stuff that, you know, that, you know, he might've been exposed to during that time, but um, he found a diff- different application for it. And, you know, at the time he thought it was going to be gloves. And I was like, well, yeah, this is cool, but let's do this and let's do boots because we'll sell a hell of a lot more boots than we will gloves, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, so we've got some glove prototypes now. The gloves are not that far away. And he's, you know, Jamie is so passionate about the design, the materials, the function, all that, all that stuff. And so it's been a, it's been a great collaboration. And again, it goes back to, you know, FCS, it was, you know, just so heavy on performance surfing. Like if you didn't have the right fins, you know, your board didn't work as good as it could. And you knew it, right? Like you, you, once you'd experienced it, if you went back, you knew when the handbrake was on, you know? Yeah. Right. So the Solite boot thing is, is really the same thing. I mean, those are your link between your board and your feet. And, you know, the fact that ours are molded from one piece of thermoform material just means they move like your foot moves. You know, it, it really does feel like you're barefoot, but protected because there's no stitching in the bottom half of the boot. There's no sole except the thinnest little glued on thing. There's no tape. There's no, you know, other things that restrict how that boot moves. And, you know, that makes it move like a boot without all that stuff. It moves like your foot. And the fact that you can get them a little snug, heat them up, stretch them out and then they cool and they stay just like that molded to your foot, you know, kind of ski and snowboard boot technology um, makes such a difference and people love it. You know, I mean, my Nikes are size 12 and I can take a 10 and I might have to mold them twice and stretch them twice, but then they, they fit me like a glove and I call that like the pro fit but a size 11 kind of fit me perfect right out of the box. I can wear those. So it's just like for a retailer, it's an amazing opportunity to, again, like, just like, you know, training retailers to be able to recommend fins to their customers when they're buying a board, you know, what do you want this board to do better? Okay. What fins have you got now? Let's see the board. Okay. Try these. I did that for years. I taught retailers how to do that. And that was very empowering for them and their business. And it gave them a great way to build relationships with their customers. This is kind of the same thing. It's cutting edge technology. You're helping the guy surf better. At the end of the day, you're helping him have a better experience, you know, better board feel, you know, warmer feet, all of that. Dude, I, I have the second toe that looks like ET. It's mm. basically uh, longer than my big toe, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I, I've always ha- not that I have to wear booties a lot, which is fortunate. But I mean, when I do, it's nice that they work and they work right. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that boot really does allow a little more flexibility on that second toe that a lot of people have always complained about. So the um, the trick for that is moleskin. Have you heard that? that? No. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's funny, I. I ran in. I mean, I see somebody, you know, with the boots when I'm surfing, I always ask them, you know, Hey, how do you like those? You know, and I'll get all kinds of feedback, you know, mostly really good, but you know, occasionally somebody's like, Oh, they kind of hurt. And I'm like, did you mold them? No, you can mold them. So, but put a little mole skin on the front of your second toe. So it's a little bit longer when you mold the boots. Okay. And it makes like a little extra room because um, I, I, my toe is not like that, but I ran into the guy that he goes, cause I remember he was emailing us like, Oh, it's the greatest thing. You got to do this. And you know, I forget what they call that, um, you know, toe configuration, but there's yeah. a name. 
Weirdo. That's what it's called. Weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you probably get better, better, not grip, but leverage, you know. With That's it. why I surf so unbelievably well. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, a little moleskin on the front of that toe and remold those boots. And I think you, you'll be even like, oh, man, okay. Yeah, good deal. All right, that's a good lesson. And uh, how about Pete Mel last week with uh, Wave of the Decade on your boots? Gosh, you know, I met Pete Mel when he was about 12. Wow. And he's just one of my favorite people in the whole surf industry. Really? You know, he's just, he's done so many different things. He's a shaper. He's a big wave rider. He's a, you know, knows so much about equipment. And he's a Mavericks, like, devotee right mm -hmm. like and you know it's funny because i sent a few boots to like different like you know big wave guys you know knowing that they were making trips to mavericks and and this and that and you know pete was just a, a friend he's been busy with the wsl like you know he, maybe it's me being naive but you know he was kind of silent out there or not not in the limelight out there the last you know few years and but he's you know he's he's always loved our boots from day one carries them in the store you know just always wears them and uh you know it's funny none of those guys that were the most likely to get the bomb of the you know session happened yeah. to get it yeah it was it was pete you know, on a, you know, a perfect one. And then the most perfect one ever a week later. And then one of the biggest ones I've ever seen towing, like the next day where it was just like, dude, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, I read, you know, I was texting with him briefly just to congratulate him, but I read in the surf line thing that, you know, he was, uh, said, oh, I'm kind of depressed. Like I'm 50. Like what, you know what now <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah that was lifetime achievement award right there you know, i was I watching the yeah the video and uh i think jamie mitchell like paddled over to him and tackled him while he was on his board and his feet i know i should, I, should I gotta pay jamie for that yeah <laughs> no kidding and they're bright orange, which is like signature so light boots, bright orange bottoms on the boots. And uh, I mean, I don't think I've seen a big wave in that category ridden that well in my life. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of paddle or towing stuff that could rival, but just to paddle into that and be in that right spot. Holy cow. I mean, in my yeah. life, I don't think I've seen anything that good. Well, you know, I've never surfed out there and I never would want to like the Right. You know, it's just one of the scariest places in the world to surf, I think, you know. And, you know, those guys are obviously used to it. They've been doing it for a long time. But, like, I've never seen – I don't think anyone else has. You know, I'm not the authority, so maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But I've never seen somebody take off behind the bowl paddling. Right. And come yeah. through the thing. And much less do it like it's a six foot wave at, you know, rights and lefts or something, you know, just like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm just dragging my hand a little bit here, just kind of hanging out in this big barrel. It was a perfect wave ridden absolutely perfectly. And that is a lifetime achievement award. It know? is. I mean, that part, that part where he's going into the bottom turn, he's got that last bit of really steep. It started to really pull off the, that's the rock the there. Bowl, you know, it's just so yeah. shallow there, right? Like, really? that was so critical. And then, and then to follow it up with that, that bottom turn where he, he kind of, like you said, came under the lip like it was a six foot wave, like no big deal. And yeah. Just all yeah. I had to do was stand there at that point, it seemed like. Yeah. No, if he caught an edge or, you know, went down like as he was backdooring that bowl, I, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. <laughs> you know, yeah. No kidding. Oh, gosh. The, the ride no. was a lot more critical, I think, than people realized just because he was so casual. But, yeah. I, I mean, I've watched it a million times and slow-moed it and everything, and there's two two different ledges that he has to go over yeah. that aren't like ship sterns type ledges, but they're legit ledges. Yep. And one at the 
right before he gets to the bottom, mm-hmm. almost 80% of the board comes out of the water. Yeah. And then he drops down that ledge and he hits and the rail bites and he yeah. makes that turn in the, in the trough right into the barrel. And yes, if that wouldn't, if that board wouldn't have held or if he <laughs> would have made that ledge, yeah, 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 that would have been bad news. I get nervous every time. I mean, I know those guys <laughs> have done it towing, you know, come from back there and, and yeah. like, you know, and he's done it too, but that's with six something feet of rail, you know, in the yeah. water, not, you know, nine, six feet of rail in the water, whatever it is. And that was uncharted territory, right? Like yeah. all those guys have been paddling that way for 30 something years now. Right. Yeah. And nobody that I know of, and I may be wrong, but has done that. I've well. never seen it. So, you know, man, hats off to him because yeah. that was freaking heavy. My yeah. favorite part of the whole video is, Somebody in the channel, you can kind of hear him back off to the left. Goes, well, look at the condor. Look yeah. at the condor. You know, he's like, I guess that's his nickname or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Like it's you can just hear in that moment the stoke coming from that guy. Like, holy shit, this is gonna be good. Yeah. And, and it ends with a uh, with yeah. a roar. Holy god. He was telling me like he had you know on that the the swell before when Kai was there, you know he was going yeah I went straight out to my spot and he got that that one that you know it kind of spit on him a little bit it was a high one but it didn't it wasn't as big as this last wave so it didn't you know so he's been he said he had his little spot and now people are starting to go oh okay i guess that's the new spot i gotta go over there (laughs) kind of thing but um yeah that is lifetime achievement man he's put in his time and you know it's good to see those things get rewarded you know and people like give it the the praise that it deserves because there's only a handful of people that want any part of that oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah. i'm not one of them <laughs> yeah well and if, if that if that boot works in that condition i mean i see your wheels spinning on jamie's like what's our what's our marketing campaign with Pete on this one well we we started with him like badass boots you know and we just did a little <laughs> poster you know that yeah it's it's, I mean, we're almost sold out of boots now because yeah, it's been such an amazing year already. I wish yeah. we had another, you know, five or 6,000 right now because we could sell them tomorrow. Wow. But, um, but yeah, you know, um, <laughs> the, the thing with Pete is just that, um, he, he is a badass and he, he doesn't act like one. But then he yeah. goes out and does something like that, and so those are the mass, those are the most badass guys that don't <laughs> yeah. act like it, <laughs> but <No> are. <laughs> yeah, and so that you know, badass boots. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, say, speaking of big waves, and uh, this this kind of ties it back to the FCS uh, story, and this is my my little funny uh, FCS story. Is uh, do, do you remember when Conan uh, caught that giant wave at Cloudbreak? Yeah, it was on the cover of uh, mm-hmm. surfing. Yeah, so that's when I was working for Cordell and uh, and running his uh, surfboard yeah. company, and Conan Conan was riding for us, yeah. and that that wave was on a Cordell surfboard. Yeah, but uh, Conan was going on that trip. He was he was in Costa Mesa, and uh, he was scheduled. He wanted some boards, and he saw that swell, so uh, Cordell had to make him a couple of uh, you know bigger boards for the swell that was yeah. coming. And so we cranked them out real quick and uh, it was literally going to be, they were getting glass the night before Conan was going to come pick them up at like 7am and head straight to the airport. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the guy that worked in our glass factory uh, steamer, um, he, the last thing to do was set the fin plugs. And uh, so he set the fin plugs the night before and he was going to come back in the morning and just uh, hit them quick with the sander. And then Conan would grab them and off he'd go. And I got there at about 6.30 in the morning and I walk into the shop and uh, the fin plugs are sitting in there and he had forgot to put the catalyst in. And so they were just sitting in liquid, (laughs) just like liquid resin. And I was just like, oh my God, he's going to be here in 20 minutes. And Corey walked in the door and just kicked them so fast. They just burnt, you know, they just turned brown. They burnt so fast. 
but yeah. And then sure enough, Conan showed up, you know, 20 minutes later, grabbed it off. He went and uh, we were scared to death that the, <laughs> it wasn't going to hold that the fit, the plugs were going to bust out cause he burned it so fast, you know, but that's the, that's the board he ended up catching that wave on. So it was yeah. pretty, pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see how well that the, you know, the fin system worked and held yeah. in big waves and stuff. So, yeah, no, I, my friend, Terry Stewart was, he and I went to Fiji before they even opened when, when like the camp hadn't even quite opened yet. And we both went down there and he ended up being probably the longest serving boat driver, um, down there wow he's still going down there and uh he towed conan into that wave and i know that he and there was a couple of roseman roseman was out on that session too yeah and uh and and into a bunch of those waves with that the photo that survey got of of conan yeah it looked like waimea going the other way yeah, right? and he's like looking like, back up at the oh lip. And, God. Yeah, it was crazy. And anybody who's ever had a bad wipeout at cloud break at, you know, half that size <laughs> knows that you would not want to get tagged by that thing. That was yeah. true. And apparently he did. I think he, he had to take like one or two more on the head, Terry told me. Oh. And Terry couldn't even go to get him, like, because it was just like, no, there's yeah. no way. You can't yeah. get him. Yeah. You know? So Conan was a tough tough brave dude really good surfer i don't know what happened to him like he i think he did okay off the you know starting ruka and uh, he's probably living some life in paradise somewhere but you don't you don't hear about him or hear from him much anymore yeah the last i heard of him he was living in los angeles and was working in like uh more like the high-end fashion industry oh no kidding yeah but that's been that's been a few years ago so i'm not i don't even know if that's still accurate but Yeah, usually surfers, like, you know, they pop up somewhere, you know. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, he was in Fiji, or he was here, or he was, you know, like, whatever. But, you know, he's been uh, he's been on the down low. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate it, Tyler. And uh, are you getting in the water much lately? It's been an amazing run here. We've had about almost a month in California. I mean, I'm looking out the window now. It's still glassy. Today's the smallest day probably in – three weeks and it's still head high, you know, nice. head maybe. Nice. Um, and it's supposed to be really big again on Sunday. So yeah, I've been surfing, you know, once, twice a day. That's great. Uh, that's great. Where are you parked? What's that? Where are you parked in San Diego? Where, where are you looking? Oh, over? I'm in Del Mar. I lived in La Jolla for a long time. And uh, when I got divorced, I moved up here and my, my girlfriend uh, has a, 13 year old daughter and a 11 year old son and been teaching them to surf and oh, surfing cool. with them a bit. And it's been too big for them mostly the last couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, right. You know, it's fun to be a surf dad and uh, great. It's, uh, it's always, uh, it's always cool to see the, the sport, the, what we do through the eyes of somebody new to it, you know? Yeah. 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 No kidding. Absolutely, so. man. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And, we're uh, we're eager to get this one out. I think the fans will really enjoy hearing this. I've always been interested in hearing the story of FCS. And that's great, man. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you too for your contribution to surfing. Um, you know, through FCS. I mean, that's that you like like we were talking about before. I mean, it it literally changed people's lives in in regards to their surfing, and uh, it made the sport better. It made surfing better, and and uh, yeah, it just. Uh, it was uh, a good thing all the way around. And so thank you for that. Well, thank you. I am. Um, that's, that's, I'm humbled. That's, uh, that's cool to hear. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, it was such a pleasure to talk to Tyler today and, one of my favorite things about surfing is the access you have to the folks that uh, kind of built surfing from the ground up. And Tyler's one of those uh, folks that did that. And so we thank him for his time today. And um, yeah, we're uh, just excited to bring you another episode. Uh, we're recording here at Atlantic Center for the Arts in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. They're our partner with the Surf Film Festival. 
And uh, our other sponsors, uh, the film festival is brought to you by Monster Energy, uh, Rourke Apparel, Advent Health, Globe Footwear, Dragon Sunglasses. Um, So yeah, we just want to thank everybody for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll look forward to bringing you more episodes as we navigate the end of this uh, pandemic COVID season. And I look forward to getting back out here at ACA and watch some great surf movies. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Can't take it no more. Can't take it no more.